welcome to the, our podcast. We are the Kinotomic, a movie podcast that bridges the cinema nostalgia of the golden age of Hollywood with the explosive modernity of contemporary cinema. I am your host, Danny, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Nick. Hello! Thank you for joining us today for another conversation about some of our favourite films. Please give us a follow on Twitter at Kinotomic or drop us an email at kinotomic at gmail.com. Um... So, Nick, what have you been watching today? Well, not today, this week. Well, this week, oh, yeah, since, since we last recorded. Um, so, today, um, I don't know if you, you know, today, as of recording, is Matrix Resurrections trailer day. Um, so that's How many what times have you seen it? I, too many. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am very, very, very excited for the Matrix Resur- Resurrections. Um, I'm a huge fan of the original film, as I assume a lot of people are. I I I kind of like Reloaded, and I kind of I'm not defending Revolutions, but I I I don't mind. I don't. I'm not as negative on it as as some people are. And um, Animatrix, the anime uh, compilation they did was was is really good as well, in my opinion. So I'm all in. I'm I'm you know I'm there day one. Um, but that that was t- that was today. But um, so I mentioned on the last recording that I watched uh, the original Candyman, and then I said I was going to go see the new one, and I that I did. I went and saw the new one, Candyman, uh, directed by Nia DaCosta. Um, very Pardon. good. Yeah. yeah um. Ready. Yeah. Um. There's a lot. Of, I wouldn't say discourse, but there's a lot of conversation online about whether it is actually good or not. It seems to be quite a divide online. As to what the general kind of consensus of Candyman is, I, I really, really dug what he was trying to do. I think, in terms of aesthetic wise, it's one of the best looking horror movies I've seen in a long time. I mean, one of the best looking movies I've seen in a long time. Some of the stuff stuff it's doing visually is ridiculously interesting. Um, as a horror movie, it's got some you know really decent kills, and then obviously because you know the the themes that it's trying to combat. And trying to talk about I think it's doing it in an effective way I think so um, other people may disagree um, yeah yeah uh, Abdul Mateen the second he is I mean he's he's, he's great I mean I, I spoke about his performance in the Watchmen TV series when we did our Gone with the Wind episode and my opinion of him hasn't changed he's excellent in, in that he's excellent in this uh, he's excellent in the Aquaman um, movie, and he's also uh, looks to be excellent in the new Matrix movie because he's going to be in that. Um, what else? What else? What else? So yeah, the other film um, I said I was going to watch uh, was Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the uh, the latest Marvel movie. Yes. So what? How was that? Oh, it was really good. <laughs> um, I expected Tony... that much. Tony Leung, um, watching him on the big screen in a Marvel movie doing, you know, doing his thing is, I mean, holy shit. Hmm. Holy shit. How how they got Tony Leung, I, I, how they convinced him to be in it, I don't know. Um, we, It's like, I, I don't know what the comparison is. It's like having Daniel Day-Lewis show up in a Marvel movie. It just doesn't seem right, you know. It's he's um, that he's that caliber, isn't he? Yeah, um, he steals everything he's in. The movie, I think, the movie eighty percent of why it works for me is because of Tony Leung. His performance, um, you know, I think having the cast and the director and and the writing staff and kind of people involved with the movie be Asian Americans or you know from hong kong uh you know you know from asia like i think it really does the movie i mean it really does the movie a big hand i think um mm-hmm. the character of the mandarin in the comics is a racist stereotype um shang chi in the comics is i think he's the son of fu manchu which again is a racist stereotype <laughs> Um, this mo- what the movie does. I mean, Shang Chi isn't. You know, he's not even. 
a, a B-list superhero. He's like C-D-list superhero. You know, nobody was really clamoring for a Shang-Chi movie, but we got one, and I think it is very, very good. It's got probably the best, second best Marvel origin story. I actually end in the movies. Um, Michelle Yeoh shows up at one point, and I was so happy. Yeah, I knew she was in it. Um, I'd heard, I'd heard she she was in it. I, I, I'd say, I mean, yeah, I mean, for you, I think, I think for you, I think you should see it. I mean, if only to see Tony Leung do do what he does. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I have to say, it's not top of my list. Um, especially with the upcoming London Film Festival, there's so many things that are coming up and, and like premiering. Um, so I, I mean, might... it'll be, it'll be. I mean, they're doing. I think they're doing for Shang Chi's release. I think they're doing 45 days, and then they're doing it on Disney Plus. So yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, uh, away from that, um, I finally got round to watching all the the um, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion rebuilds. So for that, as a foreign language to people, that is the. So there's an anime show from the '90s called Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, which was uh, done by a guy called Hideki Anno, who ended up uh, directing a film called Shin Godzilla, which is like the second best Godzilla movie. Um, these, uh, the TV series, uh, the anime, um, is phenomenal. Um, and then back in like 2007, like 2005, 2007, somewhere around there, he, um, decided he was going to redo the series, but as four movies. Um, so he got a chance to kind of redo what he was doing in the past um and kind of either make it better or, or do something different um and the fourth movie got released a few weeks ago um and i was like right i'm gonna sit down and watch all these four movies in one go and they were incredible um i know anime isn't isn't something that i do talk about on here very often if at all but um yeah, they 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 are very 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 good. They delve into some really really deep themes, and I think as a as a spectacle and as like a kappa for the series as well, because this looks as though it's Hideki Anno saying goodbye to the series once and for all. I think you you this is something special. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. Um, Danny, uh, if you've been watching anything anything good. So yes, I've I've watched a couple of films, rewatched a couple of films in preparation for today's season finale, which I will talk about in a minute. But season one finale. New, but one new film that I've seen um, to continue my obsession with the Fonders was Barefoot in the Park, which I had not seen. And I I was taken by surprise how funny and how adorable it was. And to see two gorgeous, gorgeous people like Robert Redford and Jane Fonda just being so cute and so in love. And you have a an old-timer, so to speak, an old Hollywood classic actor, um, Charles Boyer, uh, making a couple of cameos as well. So he's, he's in it. Um, he's a slightly older man, but he's very charming like older charming older frenchmen can be so yeah that was the new film i've seen and i've rewatched i think i might have mentioned this before double harness which stars anne harding and william powell and for those of you who have not seen um, um an anne harding film this is probably a very good film to start with 1933 it's a very short film it's like an hour and 9 minutes but it's 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 quite charming and there's a scene in it that kind of shows the extent of William Powell's acting abilities and I'm sure we'll be talking about that a bit further on. And another film um, that also blew my mind in terms of acting acting abilities was Dodsworth, um, 1936, with uh, Ruth Chatterton, Walter Houston and Mary Astor. So yeah, quite old films, but very, very charming from what, I, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I quite like them. And yeah, Burford in the Park is very, very sweet. Okay, that's that's um. That's kind of what I've been watching. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a rom rom com, isn't it? I did, um. Uh, Burford in the Park. park yeah. 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 60s style, but yeah, rom com nonetheless. Style. Okay. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all right. <laughs> so, I was expecting um, you to go on for another for another twenty minute diatribe on how great the the fonders are. Um, well, but... yeah, maybe we should maybe if some at some point in five years time when we've covered all the bases, we can talk about that. But I do, I do, I mean, Jane Fonda is one of my absolute heroes up there with Emma Thompson. I just love those women so very much for what they do every day and how they inspire us every day, um, especially when Jane Fonda is like 84 years old, 83 years old, I think. Yeah. I just realized she's the same age as my, my granddad. May, may they never die. <laughs> <laughs> um, hang in there, Grandpa. <laughs> Hang in and there, Jane. Jane. And, and Jane <laughs> Don't yeah. die, Jane. Don't die, Jane. Um, but yeah, I, 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 she was just luminous in this role, and she was very young, and she was just adorable. And Robert Redford, just, you know, no, nothing to sneer at, you know. But yeah, I think I shall continue. I, I'm, I'm due to watch um, a Henry Fonda film because I've not seen one in 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 a while. Maybe some, um, yeah, because we were talking about, uh, earlier we were talking about how we, how you, you're watching a, looking at Visconti film with Claudia Cardinal. And yes. I was trying to, I was trying to find, a, remember her name. And I was, I was going to say that gorgeous woman who was sleeping with Frank in Once Upon a Time in, in the West. Because she was in the film. She was, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. yeah um, she was the uh, widow. We've we've spoken a long a length about Once a Time in the West uh, when we did our Morricone episode, didn't we? Yeah, I love that film. I also spoke at length about Henry Fonda as well when we did um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, where we did that. Oh, what did we do? We did a Henry Fonda film a few yes. weeks ago. Do you remember the film? <laughs> oh, it was. Don't it was take really your young. notes. Don't take. Don't take your notes. Oh God, I'm a terrible person. Um, you are a terrible. So we d we did we did no because he was so right, we did, so we did we did one for the Betty Davis and that yes. was um uh not the letter it was the other one uh, Jezebel. Oh, very well, very good. And then we did one earlier on, like way back when, before we had like, way back when, we did. Uh, it was the con movie one, so it was Brothers Bloom and Lady Eve. Oh, there we go. There we are. There we are. We did it, everybody. Well done. Congratulations. Whew. But yeah, no, we've spoken. We've spoken before about Henry Fonda and and kind of like his star power and his star meaning yeah. um, I think in the past I spoke about how like, I, you know, I had to watch one of his early films Young Mr. Lincoln and it was a case of who else can you get to play Henry Lincoln uh, not Henry Lincoln, uh, Abraham Henry. Lincoln <laughs> rather, Henry, Lincoln, Henry yeah. Lincoln Yeah, I think I think he was summed it up well you know, Freudian slip that that's properly done yeah. you know, Henry yeah. Lincoln, else, yeah that's fair enough who else can um, you get to play Abraham Lincoln if not Henry Fonda but yeah, you you're saying this now, but back then I think he was not as famous as he would become. And I remember reading about being offered the role because it was John Ford, wasn't it? Uh, yes, yes, it was. Yeah. And he convinced Henry Fonda to to do the film because Henry Fonda was like, "I'm not going to do it. You're asking me to play God here. You can't. You can't ask me to do that." And he was like, okay, let's let's put it this way. You're not playing Abraham Lincoln. You're, play, you're playing somebody, you're playing a lawyer who's young, who happens to be called Abraham Lincoln. That's just a coincidence. He's not the Abraham Lincoln. He's just a lawyer who happens to share a name. So when he put <laughs> it that way, he accepted the role. 
and I'm saying that he he was very very fresh. He he cared a lot about Lincoln and because he, his upbringing was very very like righteous and not not left wing, but very like you know what's right what. I think he was a Christian scientist, and one of the few stories that because I read Jane Fonda's biography and she talks about it that uh, one of the very few memories that he talks about as a kid was that he witnessed a lynching um somewhere in Ohio I think um his dad when when he was very young his dad took Henry Fonda to to witness a lynching and that kind of marked him for life and he from that point I mean he, he was very like and I think he was yeah he was very Protective, not protective, embracing of all colors and creeds and sexual orientations and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, should we move on to our main films? Yeah, so season, season finale finishing with um, two romantic comedies. We have to end on a light note I after... I don't know if I would... Well, romantic comedies. Well, would they've you both say got are... romance in them. Yeah. And they both, they're both funny. Or like okay. this, I find both funny. We'll get onto I... this. We'll, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, should we, should we do the first film? Chronological Let's do the order, first film. As usual. Let's do it. Uh, so, the first film is, like we said last time, in My Man Godfrey, 1936. My Man Godfrey, 1936, directed by um, Gregory Lacava, who also did um, Stage Door. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was one of the comeback movies that um, Ginger Rogers did with Catherine Hepburn. Definitely recommend it. Uh, it's a very good film, and he was nominated for both um, Stage Door and My Man Godfrey for Best Director. Didn't win. So here's a quick synopsis. A scatterbrained socialite hires a vagrant as family butler, but there's more to Godfrey that meets the eye. What did you think of, of my man Godfrey? I really enjoyed this. <laughs> so we when we did we did twentieth uh twentieth century, century Yeah. We did that and I mean, I enjoyed it, but I, I, I struggled to be on its wavelength. Whereas this, okay. I was, I'm, I was on board like straight away. I, I was on board. Um, you know, I don't know what it, what, what the difference kind of is, but you know, they're both obviously Carol Lombard films, and she takes, you know, very much a center, central role in both. Um, William Powell, we, we've discussed in the past when we did Thin Man last year. Um, and he again is, is excellent in this. Um, I think what I kind of enjoyed the most about my man Godfrey is kind of like the the dynamics of the family as a whole, um, and how like the 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 knowingness about how insane these rich people are, <laughs> you know, like yeah, they're not necessarily. I mean, they're not necessarily good people, but you know that. They're not necessarily bad people either. They're just that people with a lot of wealth that are very, very like inept and they don't really know about the world around them. Um which is where, you know, Godfrey comes in. You know, yeah. he's a man that he's a man that, you know, knew that world and you know, lost it, you know, as we as we find out in the film. And, you know, I think it is very at first, I was kind of thinking, oh, "What does? Why is? Why is she? Why is Irene like kind of immediately falling for this man?" And then it kind of dawned on me that that's just her character. Like she does that. Um, she very much, f f judging from what her character is and 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 how like her family speaks of her and stuff, she's very very scatterbrained. She's very very. She flits between one thing and the next kind of thing, and it's very spontaneous with no no reasoning but i think what the difference here is like there's a stability to godfrey that there isn't elsewhere so whereas in the past like she's very very you know the the fake 
not the fake um, proposal that she accepts, but the non-existent proposal that she accepts, um, you know, is very much uh, indicative of her just flitting between one thing and the other without much consideration for the other person involved, you know, who's actually on the other side of it. Whereas this time it's like, well, she does care about Godfrey. Um, the family dynamics were, were, were great. I thought the, the, the father being very, um, he's the man of the house. Um, yeah. And I, 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 what did you think of the introduction of, of the man of the house? It was great. It was, it was, it was great. <laughs> I mean, I was like, what the, f what the hell is going on with Carlo? Um, like, well, did you figure out who Carlo was really? He was, he was, was he, he was sleeping with the wife. Yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. course he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Um, but yeah, yeah, you couldn't actually blatantly say it. Because he no, was kind I, of, yeah. <laughs> no, what I meant, what I, what I meant not by what the hell is going on with Carl, I, I knew what was going on with him in terms of like, he was clearly sleeping with a wife, but like, what I meant was like, <laughs> like what, what is going through that man's mind? <laughs> like, I don't know. I really um, don't know. He was quite a simpleton, wasn't he? It was quite a yeah, and it was it was his reaction to him talking about the mon when they the father was talking about the money and he just went towards the the shutters and just laid out dramatically as though he was in a Terence uh, uh Tennessee Williams play and he was yeah. like, Oh <laughs> money, um, money, 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 money. It's just like <laughs> I don't care kind of what happens next, I just wanna <laughs> what the fuck you know is going on with Carlo? Yeah. Um, I just, I sorry. My favorite first scene was that where look at the dizzy day with the with the goat, and she's like, "I've had to look at her for twenty years." She's that's Mrs. Bullock. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> How do you think I feel? <laughs> and one they... of my favorite lines of the film is, um, "All you need for an uh, insane asylum is an empty room and the right kind of people." Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Um. I th I thought the film was quite clever in its um, portrayal of class in in the nineteen thirties. Yeah, making this fun was of depression, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, making fun of the rich people and deservedly so. Um, exactly. So yeah, no, I really really enjoyed this. I I thought William Powell was was excellent. Carol Lombard, I thought she was great. Her character was. I mean, you say the word you say the word screwball comedy, and you think of bringing up baby. And Catherine is it Catherine Hepburn? Is Catherine Hepburn, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And her performance in that, I think this you know Carol Lombard in this is also kind of alongside Hepburn. Yeah, I, the kind I, of rapid, I the rapid fire, agree. the rapid fire, the the mind that goes at a million miles an hour and kind of like sweeping through the film, leaving everything in disaster in their wake. And that's kind of what you would use to describe Catherine Hepburn in Bringing Up Baby and what you'd use to describe Carol Lombard yeah, in this. But, yeah, I, I mean, I like both performances, but I think there's a reason that Carol Lombard was called the Queen of Screwball. And I think... I think there's a bit more. I mean, in the 30s, you don't really see it with Catherine Hepburn as what what she becomes in later years, like the with all all the range and winning four Oscars, um, as being quite a dramatic actress. But Carol Lombard was very good at at doing Scrubble, and she started doing Scrubble with. 20th century which we discussed in great detail last last season yeah yeah i i think i prefer well it was hard because when i said that i preferred the 20th century i was enthralled with it because i'd seen it recently and we watched it dozens of times and i'm a big fan of john barry moss and i thought the chemistry was impeccable in that film and it's it's Howard Hawks, and it was written by Ben Hecht. Uh, but having watched this again, um, My Man Godfrey, it's it's very, I think they're on, on, on the same par for me. It's very hard to pick one now.
that now that I've rewatched My Man Godfrey, I think it's one of my favorite films of all time, and it's always it's always a good film to if if you feel low, if you're feeling low, just put it on, and you're gonna be feeling great, right? Yeah, no, yeah, I I I, I agree with you. I think it's a really good way to spend ninety minutes. Yeah. So, have you got any more notes on it? Not really. I I I don't really have anything else apart from just I I just really enjoyed it. Yeah. I I'm I, glad you I enjoyed out, it. I laughed out loud. Um, you know, lolled all the way through it. Um, um, in terms of Carol Lombard performances, you know, I've just looked at, I've actually seen three of her films now, um, 20th Century, which we did last season, with Van Gogh Free just now, and then um, I had to watch To Be or Not To Be for for my Masters, and I, I think I spoke about that. final film. Um, and that was Ernst Lubitsch, and I really enjoyed To Be or Not To Be. She was great. She was yeah, great. She was and, the queen of screwball, and yeah. I don't um, think there is a modern good... comparison to her. I don't think. I don't think there is an actress out there that now that is doing the same thing. No, I don't think. I'm um, thinking comedy with physicality, with zaniness, with sweetness, and and everything in between. I don't. I can't think of any. I mean, I I'm think. So... Yeah. I think off the top of my head, the closest of a performance, just one single performance, I would I would probably compare it and, and say it was a bit more Lombard, was Emily Blunt in the Devil Wears Prada, like the n- nerve and, and the sort of anxiety and sort of jumping up and down and being all over the place and being quite energetic and larger than life and being quite stealing every scene she was in really yeah i i i've not seen devil was prada so i i, I can't uh... i definitely recommend it it's a really good film um but yeah but i'm just i'm just kind of looking through like modern comedies like comedies that have been out the last like you know 15 20 years kind of thing and you know they're all male centric they're all you know male leads and stuff and um and even with like female fronted comedies you know they kind of lean they have to lean towards like oh the girls are doing the boy stuff too you think of bridesmaids is it bridesmaids the one with chris you know they're they're basically doing it's it's the hangover it's basically you know the girls can do what the guys can do as well and it's like where are the you know like it doesn't it doesn't i don't know it just doesn't kind of ring ring I right think with me um, that's why I, I that's why i really love watching films from the 30s because they're quite women centered and they're very they're feminist films in a way yeah in a way that you would not expect a 1930s film to be because yeah. you know godfrey godfrey ultimately does what irene tells him to do <laughs> It's still hot, Godfrey. I'll be over in a minute. You know, best line to end a movie with ever. <laughs> I think that I think that like the modern modern movies don't do it for because they. I mean, it's all it's all money at the end of the day. I don't think they could, they could do it because no one would see it. Um, yeah, and I think you no do think would, you really think, think so? The style of the comedy isn't. You can't do that now. I mean, you, yeah. you you should be able to because, in my opinion, like you know, the screwball comedy is is it you know bringing as a reason why bringing up baby is a reason why my man Godfrey uh, classics is why I think and my man Godfrey definitely is but uh, you know is on the Criterion collection you know there's a reason for it and yeah. I think you know it's a shame that there isn't a like like for like kind of film that's more recent um i'm sure there's there might be one that i i'm not thinking of and and, you know anybody listen just correct me if i'm wrong but i just think that you know female centric comedies you think of something like bridget jones's diary for example like yeah okay reese witherspoon can do the whole klutzy kind of thing but it's not Uh, played as 
it's not played as like a you know. Did you say Reese Witherspoon? It's Reese. No, it's not Reese Witherspoon. Who is it? Um, it's the other one, isn't it? Oh God, <laughs> I'm getting my actresses mixed up again. Renny Zellweger. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So Renny Zellweger, <laughs> not Reese Witherspoon. Um, oh my god, I can't believe I've just done that because I've seen Bridget Jones's diary quite a few times, so I should know this. Um, yeah, no, so Bridget Jones's diary, like, you know, she she does the klutzy thing, but it's not like a screwball kind of way, it's, it's not, you know, what I, I mean? didn't even think about it, but I didn't, there was nothing appealing for, for me there. It just, it's not, I don't know, it's not unrelatable at all. I'm not saying that Irene. Bullock is relatable, but she's kind of it, there's something to her that makes her endearing to people. Whereas for me, Bridget Jones just didn't do anything. I think I think there's something about like we're missing the energy of someone like Carol Lombard and someone yeah. like Catherine Hepburn. I mean, I'm not just I'm not, I'm also gonna you know I'm also gonna say the great Gene Wilder. You know, they had an energy about them on screen that they brought to their comedy. And, I mean, we, we spoke... I, I think agree. we spoke about this when we talk about Anchorman, I think, where comedy nowadays just isn't quite the same. You know, I think everything is all punchline set up. There isn't an energy behind the performance. And I'll get into... I think I'm going to get into this when we talk about Palm Springs. I think Andy Samberg is close to that, but even then, like he is, he, he the stuff that he's in, you know, is more like it's. I don't know. It, it, for someone, you know, I've seen Hot Rod, I've seen Pop Star, I've seen his Lonely Island stuff, I've seen you know Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think Adam Samberg is very, very close to doing, you know, the manic style thing, but. Since Gene Wilder, I mean, what it was maybe what no, mid nineties? Jim Carrey is the probably the last time we had somebody like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't get me. I do, I do like Jim Carrey's comedy. I, I I grew up with it, and I thought I was marveling at how great he was doing the physical comedy. And he was, um, I think he, because I watched. I think I told you before. I watched um, all of me with Lenny Tomlin and Steve Martin and there's a bit of that in inherited by Jim Carrey in terms of physical comedy. So I mean like Steve Martin as well, you know, like think about yeah. the energy of a Steve Martin for Martin Short as well. You know, like I don't yeah. think like I think nowadays I mean we we had you had Jim Carrey and then you had Adam Sandler. I mean say what you will about Adam Sandler but I mean I find Happy Gilmore to be quite funny. I think um, I preferred Mr. Deeds because it had John Turturro seen, in it. Oh I don't my think God. I've seen Mr. It's Deeds. It's got but... John Turturro in it, and it's just John Turturro is just the best thing about the movie. I think Ben Stiller was was there pretty much with Dodgeball as well, um, with the kind Never of mind you know, energy. Never mind Dodgeball, Zoolander. Uh, well, yeah, still... so I mean, like you know what I mean? Like there's, I mean, that we're talking even then. That's what mid two thousands. So we still so, what yeah. fifteen years since then we've had what jesse eisenberg i like jesse eisenberg but it's not like no. the kind of performance that you need i think bill hader isn't given the leading man roles Ooh. that he should like i i love bill hader with you know no. i think he's a, a phenomenal actor um can i but just he... interject and say that we've been talking about men for the last 10 minutes yes 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 we... exactly that's exactly my point so where is where is where is the last time you're thinking of a female comedian? I mean, for me, like you've got what Melissa McCarthy, Kirsten Wig, but they're not doing the manic energy stuff. Greta Gerwig did it very very well with Mistress America, but again, like that's not a screwball kind of. No. You know, um, I'm thinking of you've got. Uh, I think the closest, possibly, and. Opinions of her are very, very polarized. Is Amy Schumer? I um, I quite like Amy Schumer because no. I think she, I, I I I'm speaking from my personal opinion. I like Amy Schumer and what she what she tries to do, um, in trying to you know the sexism and in and, and 
I think Trainwreck is very, very good. I don't know if you've seen Trainwreck, but that's... I have I, seen... I really... I've, I've seen it, but I can't remember much of it because I was just... Yeah. Mm, I wasn't very yeah. keen on it. I just think, I just think like, we don't have... We just don't, yeah. we just don't have the energy, like, in, in performance like we used to. And I think with female comedians as well, I mean, it's all, it's very, very telling, which is a shame. Which is a shame because I'm, I'm, you know, we, the other week we spoke about Marissa Tomei and how excellent she was. Yeah, I think yeah, bring back Marissa Tomei. <laughs> <laughs> well, she hasn't gone anywhere. She, you know, she hasn't. No, gone but anywhere. she's not done much lately. I mean, she's she's doing what? She's being auntie. Uh, what? What's Aunt her May. face? She's doing um, Aunt May. Yeah. Don't put yeah, Marissa Tomei in that corner. How dare you? I think, I think like I think Anne Hathaway could do the the manic kind of thing but she hasn't I don't... she hasn't been given the chance you know and i don't I, I think i think like i said i think female orientated comedy or even then comedy that is that has female stars is too much along the lines of either we do what the men do but it's we're women or you know like it's set line, you know, it's a setup. It's and a romantic comedy, kind of yeah. Yeah, it would, you know. And it's just very like tied with a bow. Um, Actually, I, I just, I, I've just, I've just thought. Oh, sorry, I just, I want to still got in my head. I've just thought of one. Rachel McAdams, she is excellent in Game Night. Yeah, um, I give a Game Night. That's it. Yeah, I give it. I, I'm game not night. very big fan of her, but Game Night was okay. Yeah, so there we go. We 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 found one. <laughs> In like fifteen twenty years of 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 comedy starring female actresses, we found one which is yeah, something game different, night is okay. and that's Game Night and Rachel McAdams. There we are, we've done it. Hooray, everybody! <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thinking of what you were saying, I found this really interesting quote, and I I think it fits because we're talking about different eras of of movie making, right? And I found an interesting quote from Roger Ebert. And it says, quote, The movie benefits from the range of sharply defined characters and the actors to play them. Even the biggest stars in those days were surrounded by other actors in substantial roles that provided them with counterpoint, with context, with emotional tennis partners. Notice here the work of Eugene Pallette, who bluntly speaks truth, even though his family is deaf to him. Um, his voice is like a chainsaw cutting through the vapors around him, and I completely agree. Um, and he finishes with, quote, This movie and the actors in it and its style of production and the system that produced it and the audiences that loved it have all been replaced by pop culture of brainless vulgarity. But the movie survives, and to watch it is to be rescued from some people who don't care what it makes a difference to some people. So, quick stuff about the production. Um, so, like we said, it was produced during the most volatile period of Universal's long history. So, the studio was reeling from the recent costly flop, Sutter's Gold, which I've not seen, and was banking heavily on the success of Showboat, which, again, I've not seen. And then it would experience production delay costs and basically cost Carl Lemley his studio. Despite the relatively economical cost of Godfrey, which was under 700000 it was released too late to benefit Lemley, and the new owners were able to capitalise on both it and Showboat's revenues to finance a much cheaper and scaled back the 1937 production roster. So the new Universal wouldn't produce another true A-list film until 1939, with Son of Frankenstein and Death to Rise Again and would only survive by the singular popularity of one major star, Diana Durbin, until the arrival of Abbott and Costello in 1941. Um, so, yeah, basically, it was one of the last Carl Emley's crowning achievements, even though he didn't get to bask in the glory. Mm. Also, <laughs> in earlier drafts of the script, the character of Carlo is identified as Angelica's gigolo, and the entire Bullock family openly refers to Carlo as such. But, you know, you've had Joseph Breen, he insisted that the term gigolo be replaced with protege in all dialogue. 
and he objected to Irene's speech. If mother can, if mother can have Carla, why can't I have Godfrey? And also, there was a there was a different um, ending that Brain didn't accept, in which Alexander Bologic and Palette abandons his spoiled family and winds up with a harem as well as a bank in the South Seas. <laughs> That's an interesting ending. It is a little bit interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so you know that uh, Carol Lombard and William Powell had been married. I think you mentioned it in the past, yeah. So they they were married from 1931 to 1933, I think. So they've been like three years divorced by the time this film was made. And he suggested that his ex-wife would be perfect for the role because with the explanation that the real life romance with her had been much the same as it was with Godfrey and Irene. No wonder they got divorced if they were like Aunt Jealous going crazy. And this is the only film to receive Oscar nominations for writing, directing and all four acting awards without being nominated for Best Picture. And here's a qu quiz for you. It was the only film to receive those six nominations without winning in any of those categories until a film from nine from 2013. Oh, God. So think of film being nominated for four acting awards and not winning any of them. 2013. 2013. So we're talking, I mean, it's too late, too early, too late for thing. You've got what Wolf of Wall Street, and you've got Inside Lewin Davis. I'm trying to think of Oscar noms that year. Before midnight, I think it was Oscar as well. Um, Twelve Years a Slave was the big one. That was the one that won, didn't it? Yeah. Um. Yep. So we're talking all all four Oscar noms. Yeah. The, the acting ones. So that's what yeah. best supporting actor, actress, act, yeah. best actor, best actress, best actress. So did I say, is it Wolf of Wall Street? No. Okay, right. Then I don't know. <laughs> Go bring, bring it on. Because that was American... Matthew McConaughey won that year, didn't he, for Dallas Buyers Club? Um, yeah. So I'm trying to think what was up against up against him. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. You when when you hear it, you'll be like, oh yeah, American Hustle. Oh uh, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have Kristen Bale, Amy Adams, Bradley Cooper, and Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, I've not actually seen American Hustle. They're um, all nominated. All oh, right. Okay. Uh, and didn't win. But yeah, just a final thing. Um, when so William Paul and the director Gregory Lacava were having a bit of a disagreement on how Godfrey should be played, so they talked it out over a bottle of scotch in Powell's dressing room. The next day, Lacava returned to the movie set with a major headache, but Powell wasn't there. And the director received a telegram from the star saying, "We may have found Godfrey last night, but we lost Powell. See you tomorrow." <laughs> yeah so yeah i'm glad you i think the the future of our podcast would have been at stake if you'd say that you, if you had said that you didn't like this film i think the future of our podcast has been at stake so many times now that it's teetering it on was, a cliff edge no the only time it was teetering on the cliff edge was you know when and you know what, what film but <laughs> we've managed to survive those crises so i think we're fine that was so long ago yeah Let's not talk about it. Should we, uh, should we talk about another film? Yes, let's talk about the other film. So the second film of the day um, is a recent film, uh, Palm Springs, from technically 2020, because that's when it did the festival rounds, but I mean, I think everybody kind of saw it uh, end of 2020, beginning of 2021. Um, directed by Max uh, Barbacow, uh, starring Andy Sandberg and Kristen Milioti. Um, brief synopsis when carefree Niles and reluctant maid of honor Sarah have a chance encounter at Palm Springs wedding things get complicated as they are unable to escape the venue themselves or each other 
So, Danny, um, what did you think of Palm Springs? Well, it was okay. It was I was just thinking when you said rom com, it just didn't feel like it felt it felt like a comedy, but I didn't laugh. Right. So it just felt like it's a good, interesting film, but there were no laugh out loud moments for me. So I mean, it was it's not a bad film, but I didn't think it was a very original film. Although it did have some original elements in it, I grant you that. The dinosaurs spring to mind. And, you know, I would watch J.K. Simmons read the phone book, to be fair. I don't care. I When he came on, I was like, okay, my, inter- my interest peaked. I'm, I'm quite in now. Um, I love him. He has You're such a sick a rich fuck, voice. Roy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that line. <laughs> You're a sick fuck, Roy. Yeah. Yeah. He is the the voice is just incredible, and I'm like, because when you first see him, like, is that him? Because he's got a beard, and you don't really see him with a beard that often. And then he had the face that wore paint on, and that J.K. Simmons. I need to see more of him. But yeah, it was so. Yeah, that scene where they trying to sort of have have sex on the rocks. I don't know how practical that is, but anyway, uh, he gets starts getting shot in in the butt with an arrow which was relatively funny but i didn't like i don't know it was just i was kind of taken out of the funny moment but like what is going on why is this man hunting this other man you know and then you have the big reveal where they've been on a loop for forever um so yeah and you know where you've, you've got peter gallagher and i absolutely love him he's very very funny and very charming and um yeah i just personally i'm not a big fan of montages so i thought that was kind of like yeah we get the idea they fell in love doing all this crazy shit together um so yeah it was just a bit snooze festy for me at that point but i guess it had to be done to show that they were coming together um yeah it was i thought the chemistry was good they had good acting throughout um to the point where i was very very annoyed with the misty she was such an annoying character my god i would have punched her and i'm thinking that niles might have beat the shit out of her at some point and during the loops <laughs> just to see what the it dark felt version. like the dark version we're not gonna see yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know um but yeah, I mean, the bride and groom were very, very, very good looking. And yeah, the, the bride looked like a doll. She looked like literally like the perfect woman, uh, especially considering that she'd been donating bone marrow and whatnot, doing all the charity stuff and looking like that and, you know, being so wonderful. And the groom was, again, very good looking. And it was very distracting to see that scene you know, the scene uh, where yeah. he comes out of the shower and I'm like, hang on. It was like, okay, so they had sex, but look at that body. I mean, what, you know, you can't you blame her kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting film. Um, I did not dislike it. I enjoyed it, but I didn't laugh. So I wouldn't put, I, I wouldn't put it into the rom-com category. I would put it, put it into the quirky rom category because there's a lot of rom in it okay anyway but quirky not funny and one final thing for me i think i felt sad for the old lady who had all but given up escaping the loop well i was gonna ask you about that yeah i I wonder how she made it to the cave and why well what was she doing i think she knows she knows that she's in a, in a loop but i think yes. she's p- perfectly happy to be there like she's yeah but how, her, how she's, did she find out she wasn't i've no idea uh, we don't really know do we so but that's what that's my question how did she get to the cave 
and why? What was she doing in the desert? No idea. We don't know. But I would, I would love a, to it... see that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, any, any, any other notes? No, that's it. Um, I really like the um, girl um, playing uh, opposite Adam Sandberg. I think she was very good. So when, when we talk about maybe, you know, Carol Lombard sort of replacement, so to speak, she might be one. Yeah. She had, I think she had well, the energy. Yeah, she, right, so she, Kristen Milotti, Milotti um, who is best known for being the mother in How I Met Your Mother, um, specifically the final season. I've never obviously. seen that. Um, well, no, yeah, well, you've heard the show, you've heard, heard the show, but she, she, she ends up being revealed to be the mother, um, and I'm not getting, getting it into how that series ends, but um, she she's kind of been kind of flitting between like supporting roles and doesn't really hasn't really had like her time to be the center if that makes any sense and i think palm springs is that chance and i don't i don't i think she does a very very good job but kind of grasping it with both hands oh Especially i just playing... realized something go for it annie murphy annie murphy um, she's from Schitt's Creek, and she has that energy as well. Okay. She and she has the really good comedic timing. Definitely try it. Uh, but okay. yeah, please continue. Yeah. No, um, so I was just to say, like Kristen Mulcahy, I think she does an, uh, an excellent job in this film. Um, so Palm Springs came out in um, 2020 last year uh, in America on Hulu, which is you know one of their streaming services. And I think what what because what was going on in 2020 last year everybody was in quarantine everybody was in lockdown everybody was kind of living the same day over and over and over again and when it came out over here it came out i think it was like february april time somewhere around there the, and we were kind of still going through the same thing over here so when it was like i finally got the chance to see it it was like i'm living you know i'm doing the same thing over and over and over again you know my life is just this I just don't care anymore. I feel like Niles. Yeah, yeah. And I think where Sarah comes in is like, well, she, she, she realizes that she can't do that. She needs to get out. She needs to break out. She needs to to escape and actually grow up. I think. Yeah. Niles is, you know, he is the the millennial that is stuck in this endless cycle of you know arrested development um and i think sarah gives him a chance and i think you know at the end you know he's you know he, he comes to this realization that he's he's petrified of breaking out yeah yeah um, and she's the one who was actually learning quantum physics exactly you know um I, here's the I feminist really... there's the feminist film there yeah yeah, she she's the one that takes action. She's the one that like, no, fuck it. I'm I'm gonna take responsibility for my actions here and I'm gonna bust the fuck out of here. And, you know, propel the narrative forward, you know? Because yeah. if this was just Niles' film, if this would be like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day where it would take him millions of years. Because I think they worked out in Groundhog Day he was there for millions of years. Wow. Whereas I think with Niles, I don't think it's that. I think he's. I think they came out and said it's somewhere like they jokingly said it's somewhere between forty years and forty million years. But the direct, I think there was one of the writers came out and said that he's more closer to forty years that he was kind of stuck in this loop. Um, wow. Whereas you know, Sarah, I think is you know if you think about how long it takes to kind of grasp quantum physics you know thinking what a couple of years for her well, yeah given that um, she's not doing anything else yeah given that she that's what i mean yeah i mean yeah so i think i think the film plays a plays a really good subversion on on the whole time loop um genre or time loop job genre you're thinking of groundhog day you're thinking of um 
Happy Death Day is is another one. It's a really it's quite a good slasher movie that kind of does like a time loop kind of thing on the on the on the slasher movie. But with those movies, you you basically you're learning the time loop mechanics as the film goes on, as as the character learns them. You know, you're you're discovering the world as it goes on. With the, what what this film does is it literally sticks you in it and being like, well, Niles has been here for forty years. He knows what's going on. He's they skip past all of that stuff. You know, he's 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 gone past the whole I'm going to kill myself over and over and over again, which is what Bill Murray does in Groundhog Day. You know, it, it shows him immediately. You know, the way he dances through the crowd. You know, he's he's been there, done that. You know, he, yeah. He just. Um, I I really really enjoy this film. Um, it's I think it's like the third or fourth time I've seen this. Um, it's it's one of my favorite films of the year. That you know, if we're talking UK release date, um, okay. it never it never fails to crack me. Some of the stuff really fails to crack me up. Where they're talking about like who they've had sex, or, like, who he's had sex with, and it cuts to him <laughs> having gay sex, and it just you know, because of course you're gonna try it. Like if you're stuck in a time loop, why not? You know, and then you got the the bit where he's like. You know, in the car with the barmaid, you know, and and she's like, I think I hit a guy with this car. I don't think he, he ever comes. walked ever again. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like stuff like that, and you know, cut into the bit where he's like just about to make out with Peter Gallagher, and that didn't. Happen. You know, <laughs> no, it it didn't. Ha- no, but you know, like I mean, it's like I think the film for me, it's. It takes a it takes a subgenre that I I've seen so many times, and just does something different with it. You know, it's like J.K. Sim, you know J.K. Simmons points out that you know I think that guy has got some you know he's holding, but I don't think he's given out. And Niles just straight up walks up to him, grabs the cocaine, and says, "I've got it," and they walk away. You know, and everybody else stood there like, "What the fuck?" You know, yeah. I I really I just really really enjoy this film. Um, I think it's got something to say about, especially if you if you're looking at it in a lens of being a millennial, like I am, you know it's it's kind of like we've kind of have to grow up at some point and break out of this cycle that we just don't care, you know. I think yeah. Sarah's Let's Sarah's there as well, you know. Late. I think Sarah's there as well, you know. She says that you know her family see her as the black sheep because she drinks a lot and fucks around. And yeah. for her, it's like, you know, she's finally taking responsibility and growing up. So, and then, you know, I don't, I, I still trying to figure out what J.K. Simmons' kind of role in this theme is. Um, You know, he, you know, he says like he's, he holds a lot, he hold, held a lot of anger towards Niles because he was unable to see his son and his daughter grow up. You know, that, that good scene where they're sat in the back garden and, his son is watering dog shit. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, his wife is very suspicious of what's going on. And I, think... I thought that Roy was just the... the one that just fucks it up for everybody. And the older sort of generation that still hasn't grown up and still chases down the sort of younger generation to punish them for whatever. Yeah, that's, that's Cause, yeah. Because you can you can always find older generations who, I mean, you know, growing old is compulsory, but growing growing up is is arbitrary. It's it's just optional, and he might be one of those, you know. He may be Trump. Yeah, maybe, but then Roy's re- kind of redeems himself, really. Yeah, well, yeah. Because he gets hit by the car and then gets stuck in a coma, medically induced coma, and can't fall yeah, asleep. Yeah. We should we should put Trump in medically. Oh, we should. So um, I've only got a few bits of behind the scenes stuff. Um, uh, they were multiple endings and written, um, and even shot. They did like private screenings to try and work out what the best one worked, and the, apparently this is one that they chose. Um, the scene between Ra- Niles and Roy where Niles compliments Roy's hat and Roy responds, of course you do, was improvised between Andy Samberg and J.K. Simmons. Um, the So the scene you were talking about where um, the actor's name is uh, Tyler 
Hoch Hochlin, who plays Abe, where he's in the shower. Um, yep. Yeah, his so. I need to get this. I need to get this right. So it's got the scene where it's first revealed that Sarah had sex with Abe was distracting to early test audiences because Tyler Hoechlin's torso was ripped. It was pulling attention away from Sarah's face and drama, so they used color correction to knock its visibility down some. Some. I wonder what it was originally because I was like, <laughs> "Whoa." Yeah. Um. Yeah. How does um, one get so ripped? I don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't know how one gets that ripped. I, I don't genetics. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if you're working in Hollywood, you can afford a private trainer, personal yeah. trainer, and all that. Yeah. And have your own gym and stuff. Um, they initially shot the scene with Nas running naked through the desert with Sandberg's stunt double, and then shot it with Andy Sandberg himself, just in case. Um, it was too obviously not him, but as Andy Sandberg says, uh, but my butt was funnier. Of um. I, I really like Andy. I don't know what your opinion of him is. I don't um, have an opinion on him yet because I've not seen enough of his stuff to think of him that much, to be fair. Okay. Um, but he was okay in this. There was there was some good energy and there was chemistry with the girl. With uh, Was it Kristen? Kristen Minotti, yeah. Kristen Minotti. Um, but I wouldn't rush to see his next film. I don't know. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to. I don't know. I wasn't that drawn to to him. It was just maybe that the fact that he's someone who doesn't who's afraid of growing up. I mean, he did. Yeah. He played the character very well. Uh, I think I might have seen him in like part bit parts ages ago. Yeah, he's he's been in you know he's been in like supporting been done, roles, yeah, yeah, uh, over the years and stuff. Um, people will, will know him probably best from being part of Lonely Island, uh, his comedy kind of group um, that released those. I wouldn't say spoof pop songs, but you know, popular songs that are subversive and do something funny. I'm, I I might send you a couple and see what you think. Um, he's done uh, one of my favorite comedies is Hot Rod, which I really want to get on this podcast because I I think that film is hilarious, and I've spoken about it before and I speak about it again. But uh, Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping is one of the best comedies, um, of the last few years. Uh, the film is hilarious. Um, but knowing my luck, uh, you, you'll probably hate it. <laughs> Why would I hate it? If it's funny know. and if it's objectively funny yeah, and great, okay. why would I? Yeah. Why would I? Hate I don't know. It? I I don't know. I just have this. I'm not I just have say this yes. kind of thought. I'm not going to say yes. I'm 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 going to think no, about no, it. No 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 no. Yeah, you you kind of learned that lesson, but like, <laughs> like I don't know. I just I don't know. Like I I get the feeling that when I kind of watched when it came with Anchorman as well, it was like I was like I kind of sat there like, oh, you're going to hate this because it was just the style of humor is. I don't know. I'm not saying you you don't have a a juvenile sense of humor, but with stuff like Monty Python and you know we spoke about this in the past with Monty Python, it was like there's it's silly, but there's like a reason for yeah. its silliness. Whereas yeah. like Anchorman, it's a case of it's just juvenile and there's not much else to it. And I'm kind of a bit worried because that's kind of you know we spoke about in a, you know earlier on that you know comedy nowadays doesn't really do anything you know unless it's written by Armando Iannucci or directed by Edgar Wright you know comedy doesn't really, really do anything good nowadays. Yeah, true. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You could surprise me. You could surprise me. Um. Anyway, so uh, any anything? Are we done on both films? I don't know if I you want to. I think wanna... we are. Um. Are you done with the behind the scenes? Yeah. Obviously, because yeah. it's only really just come out, and it yeah. doesn't. There's not really much else to it. Um. Not really much else oh. to it. So. We've yeah, finished. It's done, isn't it? Season two. Wow. Any thoughts on the season gone? <laughs> 
No, I'm glad that we I'm glad that we we finished with a bang with one of the best my favorite films of all time, My Man Godfrey. Yeah. Um I've I've actually just to sort of wrap up, I've I've shown it I found um I found a DVD copy at home and I bought it and it had Romanian subtitles and I showed I watched it with mom and it was one of those things because my mom doesn't like black and white films she doesn't watch old films and I I sort of persuaded her because I, I made a point of buying the DVD and I persuaded her and she's like yeah just put it on and if I fall asleep I fall asleep she goes and then like 20 minutes later she's because she was very tired at the beginning of the evening yeah so she's like tired I'm like oh just put it on and see what happens and then 20 minutes later she's like bright as a you know bright as a daisy she's like oh yeah loving it loving it I'm like good good on you mom she's like oh he's very clever isn't it I'm like yeah <laughs> oh it like the portrays of the great depression and everything and it was just yeah one of my favorite films and I show it to everybody who's like introduction to screwball comedy it's a very very good introduction yeah um, I think I've, and... I'm going to try the same thing when I go home for Christmas for two weeks. I might stick it on for my mum, see what she thinks. Definitely, definitely. I think it's it's one of those films that always puts a smile on my face. Um, we've had, I think we've had an interesting season. I think you know, uh, just different kinds of films that we haven't had before. Um, yeah, that's us done. So we're going to come back, um, I, you know, hinted that we're probably going to do a Halloween episode, just a single episode. Yeah, so yeah, do, do a single Halloween episode. Um, and then, you know, Danny wants to do something for Noir, film Noir, uh, November, Noir Vember. Um, we have to, don't and, we? Yeah, we have to, we have to. Um, so, yeah, look out for that. Uh, we're going to take December off because why not? We deserve a break. Um, I think we do. And then we're gonna do. We're, we're, we're coming back for January. We've we've pent, we put in January, so we're gonna, we're gonna come in then. I think. Um, in the meantime, uh, Danny, where can we find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Kino Joe. <laughs> hopefully by hopefully by the start of season three, your website will be finished. Yes. Yes. Big reveal. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Nick S. Chanda. My website is superatomavision.com. Um, hopefully, by the start of season three, I would have at least done one YouTube video that I've been wanting to do, but we'll see. Um, our podcast Twitter is at Keenatomic. We all try and keep it busy, um, you know, doing retweeting stuff and, you know, publicizing ourselves, that kind of thing. And then our uh, Gmail is kinatomic at gmail.com. Drop us an email on there. Let us know what you want us to... what Any films that you want us to do for Season 3. Um, we haven't yet got a full schedule yet, but, you know, we're, we're, we're more than happy to take some suggestions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, excellent. So, um, yeah, it's a goodbye for Season 2 uh, from me. Uh, goodbye, and a thank you for listening from me. Oh!